You see, something's either happened or it's about to happen with unbelievable magnitude. A couple of years ago, I was in Japan wrestling, and I saw a kid named Chris Benoit, and it just flew off the page. That's a horseman. I went to WCW officials. I played a very big part in getting Chris Benoit here, and he's exceeded all of our expectations. And I told him, the first rule is, Chris, anything you want in this sport, the road doesn't rise up to meet any man. You've got to reach out there and take it. But you see, there's an unwritten rule also, a cardinal rule. It doesn't just apply to wrestling or sports. It applies to every, every, every aspect of a man's life. Number one, you take care of your family. Rule number two, you don't mess around in another man's family. 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 Woo! This nigga Arn Anderson was a fucking Arn Anderson was a fucking problem. Welcome to the important uh, wrong podcast. Excuse me, I do so many of them. Welcome to Wrestlers with Experience. I want to talk about. We, we got to get into it. I uploaded night one kind of late of my review of WrestleMania 36. Here we are, night two. It's come upon. I've watched it three times. I've criti- I watched it three times because I didn't want to critique it the way I critiqued episode one. I wanted to be a little bit more realistic for the first time in a long time. I took notes actually, and I did rate them from like a, in a star-like system using you know apron apron being one star, bottom rope being two stars, second rope being three stars, top rope being four stars. You know, I don't want to use the Meltzer system, but I'm going to try to create my own system. With that being said, I am Dietrich Davis. I will be, oh, from now on, I will be covering WWE and AEW content and Mark, Mark Knight Morrell, my co-host, will be covering all things NWA and New Japan Pro Wrestling. I want to get right into it. I don't want to waste you guys' time. I want to I want to tackle these these particular topics very detailedly because it's important and a lot went down. As we know, WrestleMania for the first time in history was more of an intimate setting, no crowd. Everyone had to watch from home. Um, I do have a episode that is coming up where I would have presented WrestleMania and been presenting these particular shows in particular. It's just me. It's the way I would have done it. Uh, I would have definitely created in a fan inclusion in a unique way. Anyway, with that being said, uh, let's get into WrestleMania 36 and the show that was and the show that will never be again. Um, first of all, I want to shout out to WWE for the branding that they use. They actually had a shirt that said WrestleMania 36. I wasn't there. I don't know how well that sold. I don't know how WrestleMania branded merchandise sells itself. I'm pretty sure they sell a lot of it without question and shit. But this WrestleMania night one wasn't as bad as some people made it out to be, at least in my personal opinion. And I'm going to have to say that the show must go on. The show doesn't stop for no one. That's just the truth. And I'm glad WWE pushed this on because to push WrestleMania back and try to give you another WrestleMania in less than a year and this, that, and the other. If for people who disagree with WrestleMania happening, being postponed, that they felt that WrestleMania should have been postponed, then obviously you've never ran a business yourself and you've never been in charge of millions of dollars in insurance policies and this, that, and the other. And I'm going to get into that in another episode. But I want to get into to match number one, 
which was Rick Flair, uh, excuse me, Charlotte Flair versus R- uh, Rhea Ripley. I don't know. We know that the new champion, uh, we know that uh, this was a decent match. I'm going to give it like, I'm going to say that the match was definitely in a two-star format, basically three-star format. It wasn't a bad match. It was a great match to open WrestleMania in front of a crowd. Honestly, what I'm going to say is a three-star match, which would which would create to a second rope match. Um, I think we always knew. I, I don't understand why people are in shock that Charlotte Flair won. We always knew that Rhea Ripley was going to be a transitional champion. When she won the belt, it had transitional all on top of it because they had an agenda already for Baszler. So when you see when and 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 I think the Baszler versus Charlotte Flair match is not something that's ready yet, and I don't think Baszler is ready for the mainstream roster. I don't think she's ready for Raw and SmackDown. I think she needs like another six more months on the NXT roster to be presented well to be a wrestler without the championship because she's been a champion for most of the time. So those are those little details that I think she needs a little bit more time and I think if they're going to keep treating the WWE product as a PG product, then Baszler would not have been the right person. Though it seems that Charlotte Flair is edging and pushing on levels of legitly, and I want to say this respectfully, but she's literally pushing on levels as a R-rated product or a teen plus product. That's just my personal opinion. Rhea Ripley is a decent wrestler. She had a couple of missteps in the match. You can't argue with that. But these two can definitely learn. They didn't need a crowd to have a good match. And that's what I looked for in this WrestleMania. If I saw that the talent needed a crowd to accomplish something or to hone their skills, then you shouldn't have been at WrestleMania. This should have been for the experienced ones who could say, Vince, I can do this without a crowd. And of course, a lot of them did it who wasn't capable of doing it because they wanted their paydays and they wanted their recognition. But this was a show that it should have been the elite the elite of the elite. And I don't felt like between the two shows, we got those, we got maybe four elite matches on each card. You know what I'm saying? When you think about it, this was a 16, almost 17 match, technically 18 match WrestleMania. You know what I'm saying? So imagine this WrestleMania being eight hours long. I think they should continue to split the nights. I think that's a phenomenal thing. I think that's a smart thing. They talked about this many years ago, new Japan executed it and it worked. So I think WWE should, moving forward, WrestleMania 37, I would make it one night and give everybody eight to ten strong matches or give us two nights and give us eight strong matches on each night with each talent getting 20 to 30 minutes to actually get in there and put on a fucking performance. So um, I'm all for Charlotte Flair winning. As I said, Rhea Ripley was always going to be a transitional champion. She was always going to be in a situation where she would have to return to that belt at a different time. And you can tell she was a placeholder. The goal was always to put it on Charlotte. And I think Charlotte being on NXT and Raw at the same time and Charlotte representing, she can bring that casual fan over there. And Charlotte will be the best heel that they got. I think the only thing I see happening is you make sure that you touch base on Charlotte Flair versus Bianca Belair 
and have it where those two don't necessarily wrestle each other anymore, but it's always said that these two are going to go at it. And if they're right, the winner of next year's Women's Royal Rumble should be Bianca Belair, and she should be taking on Charlotte Fair for the NXT or Women's Raw Championship, straight up and down. That is your next champion in the company. Um, without question, she, she's got the moves, she got the skills, she has the strength, and I think if you give her and Charlotte 30 to 40 minutes, they can probably steal the show. No questions asked. And they should be second to last at WrestleMania. She should, you know, she should be on the Sunday night show, second to last, last winning the championship. And Bianca got a lot to offer. She's definitely the future of this business. And her and Flair can go toe-to-toe. And I think they should have her win next year's Royal Rumble. And WrestleMania 37 should be the night of Bianca herself. But um I'm all cool. I, I give this a three star, which will be a second rope match. I give I think Rick, uh Charlotte Flair was the right person. I think she played the hill position perfect. She put herself in a perfect position and they should not play hot potato with this championship. They should let her run with this belt for the next year straight. No questions asked. You know, and if you don't like it, I I, I can agree with that. But Charlotte is too great of a talent and she proved why they can go to her. It's not a Roman Reigns situation where this is a hard-on for her. Charlotte can go, and there's a lot of other women that can go. But Charlotte Charlotte can go and also have that star power. Hold on for a second, you guys. Let me take my drink. Also, so moving forward, match number two, which was Alistair Black versus Bobby Lashley. Personally, I don't think this match should have been done on the show. This was simply a way to set up a Lashley and Lana separation. Alistair Black gets the win because of bogus instructions sent to Bobby Lashley through Lana. This was a waste of a match, and I'm being honest with you. This star, this is a one-star apron-style trash-ass match. I don't think it should have been on the card. It shouldn't have been on the pre-show. They could have saved this for a Monday Night Raw. And honest to God, truth, let's face it, Bobby Lashley and Lana has run. It's run its mill. It, it had a high point, and it was a forced-on-us high point. It was trailer trash television at that moment. And unfortunately, Bobby Lashley's career took the hit because of that. And I don't think he can truly recover, to be honest with you. And I'm not being mean. I'm not being a shithead. That's just pretty much what it was. Then we got match number three, which was Dolph Ziggler versus versus Otis of Heavy Machinery. Ziggler comes out with Sonya Deville. Otis is by himself. He goes out there. He has a decent match. You know, I mean, Otis is a great wrestler when you sit back and think about it. He moves very well for a big man. He knows his weight. He knows his skills. And Dolph Ziggler was a perfect person to sell taking a big man ass whipping and stuff like that. Um, Otis ends up winning the match with outside interference by Mandy Rose. She does. Mandy gets her little punch in the face to Sonya Deville which allows Otis to win they get the big kiss and this was the feel good moment and if this was in front of a crowd at Wrestlemania this would have been pretty fucking amazing because the crowd would have been happy when those two kicks I wouldn't have him kiss her in the arms but I would have had it where he you could have did the Miss Elizabeth and um, Macho Man Randy Savage moment where he's looking left to right like Macho and he's getting closer and closer and then Mandy instead of him going in for the kiss Mandy goes in. I would have had him drop to one knee and Mandy go in for the kiss and have Otis run in circles and go crazy. I think if this was in front of a crowd, this probably would have been one of the best reactions of the night. And I like this match. 
it was an eh match, but I liked the outcome of the match, and I think the outcome could have been so much better. This is one of those matches that they didn't need a crowd to perform, but it needed a crowd for that ending. You know, and I like this match. I'm not gonna say it's the best match. I'm gonna give it two stars, which would be, represent a bottom line, which would represent the bottom rope. It was it was a match that it was just a great feel good match, and this would have been a match to calm the crowd down to move them forward. Dolph Ziggler, I don't think he belongs in the company no more. He's just he's just going through the motion with the payday, and I get it. That's his right. Um, match number four, last man standing match. Edge versus Randy Orton. I didn't see the appeal in this match. I didn't see the payday for this match. I didn't see the outcome for this match. I think Edge's buildup was great. I think Randy's buildup was great. But when you sit back and you look at the storyline for this match, he did this because he loved him. You know, the, you could have did something where he was like, I don't want you to be out there. Please don't go out there. I don't want you to hurt yourself. This, that, that. There were so many more elements that I think they could have added. And they had time and weeks to add to the match. But it just was a dry storyline. The match went all over the performance center. I seen people get upset at the weight spot move. Who gives a fuck? It was what they did in the match. It does not represent Chris Benoit killing himself and the Nancy and his son murders at all. And I don't think people would have thought about it if the Vice documentary on Chris Benoit would have came out. And that's just a fucking fact. So I didn't like the match. I, I, I didn't see a necessity for the match i think the match was a bottom rope which is two stars which would be like a two-star rating it was okay um edge got the win there wasn't necessarily a 10 count though we can just say in our heads there was a 10 count but it was what it was the official they just it just it, it, it was missing a lot and i think they should have kept it a, a wrestling match i think everything should have stood in the ring on this night edge and randy are more than capable of putting on five star putting on those phenomenal as Dave Dave Meltzer would say five star matches let me take a sip hold on so it was what it was I originally gave it three stars when I first watched it and then when I watched it a second time I was like ah this match is not as good as as I thought it was and maybe I was tired when I was watching Wrestlemania and I thought this it is what it is but I don't think it was great um it should have just been a standard wrestling match and Edge could have retained and got a proper match and you still could have did the concerto at the end and again you know this if there was a crowd they would have definitely been cheering for edge and i don't mean to sound so dry about this match but this match just didn't hold it it didn't put it together it didn't and then have his it's it didn't have nothing special to it I think they did all of that just to get to the Cachero at the end of the match. And I think that's kind of boring and it's un it's unimaginative. And on this night, imagination should have been everything when it came to putting together matches. Uh, match number five was Austin Fury and Angel Garza with Selena Vega versus the Street Profits. Uh, another, uh, once again, a Monday Night Raw style match done on WrestleMania. And I think they didn't put any, you know, I think the tag team match, uh, the tag team championships on both shows end up taking a very, very, very bad fucking hit every fucking year because you got these mismatched tag teams or you get tag teams who. You could have saved their WrestleMania. They, they should have been winning those belts at WrestleMania. They shouldn't have walked into WrestleMania with the belts. And I get they was doing something else with, um, what do you call that? Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins and the other gentleman, and the other gentleman, I forget his name. 
because his name is forgettable. But you, you could have that they should have been winning those belts at motherfucking WrestleMania. And the Street, the Street Profits, they retain, they stayed as champions. Um, Selena Vega hits one of the Street Profits in the head, and Belair comes, uh, Bianca comes out and takes out Selena Vega, this, that, and the other. So, you know, you can tell they're going to build a feud with them in the future moving up WrestleMania. We don't know if Bianca's going to be on Raw. We do know there's going to be a superstar shakeup soon. Um, and I think it would have been nice to see Bianca Bia come out and run down the, in front of an audience to see the reaction she would have got at a WrestleMania show because she, she, she damn near got a standing ovation at the Royal Rumble. So, uh, that is what that is. Moving forward, Titus comes out. He is now uh, hosting the rest of WrestleMania. Um, and then they said something to the note of, I'll get to that in a minute. But then the next one, he becomes the host of WrestleMania. And then we have match six. Oh, and the, beyond, and the tag team match, I'm going to give it three stars because they did perform. And they, they barely missed a step in that whole match. There was, there, was, there was no goofs. There was no gaffes. They really got straight to the point. So I'm going to say that was a second rope three star style match. And they did their fucking thing on that one. They, they really did their thing, and I think in front of a WrestleMania crowd, this would have been amazing. But again, these four guys showed that they did not need an audience to fucking perform, and that's a factor in all of that. Then we come to, which was, I expected something different from this match. Match number six, which would be the SmackDown Women's Championship, which was a fatal five-way that consisted of Sasha Banks, Lacey Evans, Tamia, Naomi, and Bailey as and Bailey as champion. Um I need to fact check something, but Michael Cole made a reference saying that Bailey is the first woman to carry the Raw SmackDown and NXT championships. And I'm I don't know if that's true. I, if I'm correct, Charlotte was a already a two-time at the, before she at what well, now she's a three-time. But Charlotte's a three-time NXT champion. She's definitely SmackDown's women's champion. And she's definitely Raw's women's champion. So I don't know if Bailey was truly the first person to hold all three championships in general. And I think they was just trying to build Bailey up. But it was definitely Charlotte Flair who held that. And also, not only that, Charlotte was Raw's women's champion, SmackDown's women's champion, NXT champion, and the last and final Divas champion. So... I don't know quite where they got that from. I think that was just a misnote. But you can't, you know, when you're a supporter of professional wrestling in your wrestling dictionary, when the commentating table already botches a fact, it kind of makes the match look bad because you can focus more on what the commentator is saying than the actual match. So this this match, I'm going to give it three stars, which will be labeled as a second rope. Style match. I think this match was very entertaining. I think uh, I, I, for some reason, I don't know why the way they built it up on SmackDown for the last two weeks that you thought that they was going to give the rub and the win to Tamina Snooker. I'm not too sure why they didn't. I mean, maybe they got bigger plans for Bailey. Um, but the first elimination, believe it or not, was Tamina Snooker. They treated her like the big woman. They eliminated her first, and then Naomi went second. And then they did the interaction with Bailey and Sasha Banks would, you know, beef with each other. And then Sasha Banks went out number three to Lacey's Evans woman's right punch, took her out, which she sold like a like like 
perfectly sold. And she took the knockout. They showed that Bailey didn't truly get up to help her per se, you know, but she was shocked that her friend got eliminated and, and stuff like that. And then it came down to Lacey versus Bailey. I thought once again, during the middle of the match, they was going to give the rub and the championship to Lacey, but they didn't. And I don't think WWE knows what to do with Lacey at this moment. It seems on paper, Lacey looks like she can be a perfect WWE Women's Champion, and then something goes wrong, and you get the vibe that ah maybe they shouldn't do nothing for her. I will, and I don't believe everyone should get a championship because we're fans of them. I think they should get a championship because they're reliable, and maybe there's something that Lacey isn't doing just yet that it's not connecting to the people that hasn't put that championship on her. But she looks like she should be. She look. I think once she gets the belt. I think if they pull the trigger and put the belt on her, Lacey might be one of those females that can become a long-term and profitable champion. I think I think it's time to change her branding. She has, I think she's a Marine or Army officer, an ex-Army Marine or ex-Army officer. And instead of doing this woman, woman's right thing, I think she should be like a military style. Like she should become the female Sergeant Slaughter and build that as aspect. And, you know, there's loads of women in the military. You can have her as great representation when you do tribute to the troops and great representation for all the female soldiers out there. And I think they need to play on her background and really build her as that female Sergeant Slaughter and have her with that, you know, that woman's right punch. Keep the same name of the punch. But I think it's time for a little bit repackaging. And I think if they package her military style, I think she'll be a perfect champion for the WWE, put that fatigue, leather strap on the back of her championship and let her run to the mountaintop. And I think there's also that something that needs to change. You know, we have the WWE Universal Championship and the WWE Championship. I think they should turn all the belts on SmackDown to the Universal Tag Team Championships and the Universal Women's Championship. I think if they do that, you can create more branding and it makes you feel because just to hear SmackDown's woman champion, Raw's woman champion, that's great. But to hear it be as the Universal Women's Championship and the also have it, you have the WWE Women's Championship and the and the Universal Championship, Women's Universal Championship. I think it's better branding. I think it's better placeholding and it create and it gives the belts its own fucking identity. So you don't have something locked down to SmackDown and something locked down to Raw. So if you excuse me, if you want to switch teams or tag teams around, you're capable of doing stuff like that without worrying about damaging the Raw brand title and the SmackDown branding title. That's just my personal opinion. Bailey retains, and then on WWE.com, they do this thing where she's calling out um, Paige. I don't know what Paige's wrestling status is. It's hinted that she's coming back to the ring. You know, I don't believe in speculation without proof, but we're going to eventually find out what's going on with Paige and if she's going to get back into the ring. And that might be for a SummerSlam style thing. And maybe, just maybe, I think if we didn't have the audience issues that we had um we might of we might of and i want to say this correctly we might have paige as champion i bring for it forgive me so that's something to think about 
that's something to truly think about. And and I think I don't know. I think they should if they're gonna pull the trigger on Paige, they should build that for a year. Build up her the neck injury, build up her rehabbing herself, her wanting to get in the ring, near misses, this, that, and the other. And you know what? If you're gonna put it on page, then keep if you're gonna put it on page, then keep that title on Bailey for another fucking year. You know? And build and and let's see it. But if Bailey can't make it the year, repackage Lacey, get it over to Lacey and let Lacey drop it to Paige. You know what I'm saying? Or somehow, but if you're gonna drop, or, or you can have, uh, you can have Paige drop at the Lacey Evans at next year's WrestleMania. I think more importantly, WWE should be thinking about the WrestleMania matches now and stuff like that. Then we move on to match number seven, which was the Firefly Funhouse. I don't give a fuck if no one liked it. I love this match. I think this was very intelligent and a great way to write WrestleMania, uh, write John Cena out of the WWE so he can take on Hollywood full steam ahead. I think it was a great package. I think this did great for Bray. It did not hurt The Fiend at all. I think what's most important about the whole thing is is that John Cena didn't bury him. And all of this controversy, oh, the controversy of John Cena calling him Husky Harris and this, that, and the other, again, inside of the pre-recorded match and the, the editing of the match, John Cena identified him as Husky Harris again. So for people to sit up there and go, oh, my God, he, there was a controversy. He called him Husky Harris and he called him this. Uh, I'm pretty sure Bray agreed to it and everyone agreed to it and they built this up. This was a great um, presentation of what you can do without an audience. And they, were able, they won't be able to get away with this again next year. But you can definitely the, – the, there are great ways to have fun with this. And it was presented right. It was done right. He shows you Bray Wyatt. I'm pretty sure he designed this whole thing. This was intelligently done. And the most important part about it was that he got John Cena, the 15-time world heavyweight champion, to sign off on this. Because John could have said no to this, which means John got to see the vision. He went through very the many phases of Cena, from the prototype to the rapper to the uh, never, never die Super Cena-style character. And... The Fiend put it into John Cena. Obviously, that was John putting him over. He got the one, two, three pin. And that's pretty much it. And I, and I liked it. They did that. And, I, and, and anybody who didn't like it, I can understand if you didn't have the vision. But this was something that was built perfect. And Bray Wyatt should be given more freedoms like this at, at many pay-per-views. And these are ways to protect The Fiend as he crosses over and shit. I think it was just perfect. Then we go on, and, and for me, I'm just going to give that. That was one of my four-star ones, which would be, it was a top rope. It was great. It was phenomenal. I think they ticked off all the bars, and it was for the intelligent wrestling fan. And it shows you that Bray is light years beyond 99% of the talent in the fucking company. And John Cena complimented that and made that work. So Bray comes away with the win. With the win. I thought it was fucking phenomenal, and they should continue building in that format. Now we got match number eight, which was the main event of the night. Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre. Again, we had two. The main event of the night before was, you know, three spears and three power slams by Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman needs another finisher move. I'm sorry. But this match and Braun Strowman's match, I'm not going to say Braun Strowman's match disappointed me. It, it's Goldberg. You can't expect a lot. But Drew versus Brock. 
we know Drew becomes a new champion, this, that, and the other. Brock Lesnar is low-key one of the best wrestlers in the company. My personal opinion. This And I give this match three stars. This is my, I give it a second rope category match. Brock Lesnar is low-key one of the best wrestlers in the company. We know Brock can wrestle. I don't care what he does on all of the pay-per-views throughout the 12 months. If he just wants to give you a bunch of German suplexes and F5s and build you up and do this, that, and the other. But Brock Lesnar should be pulling out his whole wrestling repertoire at this particular show every fucking year. Of like they, they even said it. Of the last six WrestleManias, Brock Lesnar has been in the world heavyweight title picture, whether Universal or WWE Championship, five of the six wrestle fucking manias, okay? When it comes to one time a year, I need you to pull out 30 to 40 of those wrestling moves you got. I need you to give us holes. Brock should be giving us fucking 40 minutes, whatever he's getting for that night, plus $10,000 every 10 minutes. So give him an extra $40,000 for 40 minutes of wrestling. Because I would have sat down with Brock three months before and say, Brock, I need a 40-minute Broadway from you. I know you don't do this, but this is the one time a year I need this. I'll pay you extra for that. Because Brock can wrestle. Brock can perform. Brock can go. Brock is one of the best wrestlers in the company, pound for pound. He is a legit, believable villain. But imagine if he gave you a 40-minute WrestleMania main event. You would love it. You would appreciate it. And I think that's what we need from Brock Lesnar. I think if Brock Lesnar is going to continue to work with WWE, because if I was in the company and I was going to work with Brock, I would speak to Brock six months in advance. Like, hey, Brock, what's that? And the other, I would sit down with Vince, whether he likes it or not, and say, give Brock an extra 40 grand, 10 grand for every 10 minutes. Give me 40 minutes with Brock and I'll give you match of the fucking year. And that's what myself, Dietrich Davis, would ask Brock Lesnar for, would ask Vince for. And I would get, and I would get the best 40-minute match that Brock has ever had in his life. I'm talking about surpassing the moments of WrestleMania 19. So with that being said, the show, I don't think this year's WrestleMania was bad. I'm glad that they did this year's WrestleMania. You do not know you're a billion-dollar corporation. The show doesn't stop. The show never stops. And when you're making billions of dollars, you figure out a way to entertain the fan night after night after night after night after night. Plain and simple. WrestleMania All Together was a decent show. It wasn't the best show in the world. But out of 16, out of 18 matches, we got eight phenomenal matches between the two shows, between the two nights. We didn't get a takeover this year. We didn't get all those other things this year. But we got some great shit. And I think people need to stop being upset. This is in the books. And I think WWE should be booking WrestleMania 37 right fucking now for that Hollywood backyard and shit. And also, if you was at WrestleMania, if you would have went to WrestleMania this Sunday, it was raining. So the first half of the show, you would have got rained on. Who would have known? But I think with all the money WWE got at $4 billion at a $4, $5 billion evaluation, you motherfuckers go to town and you give us what you can give us. And they did that. And I'm not mad at them for having the shows. I'm not mad at them. No, if I was in charge of that company, we're not canceling nothing. We figure out, we create a solution, we execute it, and we fix the problem until we can get back in front of a studio, studio audience. And this is a great master reset for WWE because they can now take 
and use this to build up new stars and to repackage stars in this moment in time. So when they get in front of that audience, you immediately knows what work and what doesn't work. And that's for a totally separate podcast on another day. With that being said, I thank you guys for listening to my review of WrestleMania 36 Part 2. I hope that you go listen to Part 1. And I made sure that I watched this WrestleMania twice so I could be fair and honest about it. Those are my notes. It's done for. That's all I can say about it. Um, I really appreciate all of the all the people who do support this show and do listen to the show. And I hope to grow this show over the next year into something monstrous and where you go to for your wrestling reviews, news, and information, and maybe some dirt that we got on the business. With that being said, thank you so much. To be on the lookout for Mark Knight Morel, uh, the uh, Mark Knight Morels. Um, Reviews on NWA. He's going to be giving you reviews on classic matches, this, that, and the other. When it comes to the NWA and New Japan, he's going to be giving you the updates on currently what New Japan and NWA is doing. And Mark is the go-to guy for all of that. And then when all of this coronavirus shit is over, we will come back together. We'll still produce the show the same way we're producing now with the so many episodes a week. And then we'll have the giant show where me and him come together and present you with WWE. Well, not WWE, present you with the Wrestlers with Experience podcast in its traditional form. I thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. Catch you on the next episode.